Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
Moment he 
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Never failing.
Sound the battle cry, see the foe is nigh, raise the standard high for the Lord. Gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your cause upon his holy word. Rouse then, soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail. Shield and banner bright, gleaming in the light, battling for the right we ne'er can fail. Rouse then, soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne. O thou God of all, hear us when we call, help us one and all by thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory won, may we wear the crown before thy face. Rouse then, soldiers, rally round the banner, ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God and in me, in my Father. House are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for thee. The Be right. 
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
In heavenly armor we'll enter the land The battle belongs to the Lord No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand The battle belongs to the Lord And we sing glory comes in like a flood the battle belongs to the Lord he's raised up a standard the power of his blood the battle belongs to the Lord and we sing glory honor power and strength to the Lord we sing glory honor power and strength to the Lord when your enemy presses in hard, do not fear, the battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near, the battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory. to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord, we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the shepherd I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. And I will trust in you, and I will trust in you, for your endless mercy follows me, your goodness will my ways in righteousness and he anoints my head with and my cup it overflows with joy I feast on his good delights and I I will trust in
for making the sun to shine, putting the stars in the sky, for the flowers that bloom, the ocean so blue. Thank you, Lord, for the sparrow that sings. It makes sweet melody for the rivers that flow, the rain and the snow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole, saving my soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my whole family, for the joys you've given me, for the shoes on my feet. Plenty to eat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the church where I worship and pray, for the freedoms that I have today. For your spirit, I feel the presence so real. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Saving my soul, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being a friend so dear, giving my sad heart cheer, for holding my hand when I could not stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving your life for me. On the cross of Calvary, for taking my place, for mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole, saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole, saving my soul. Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
daughters Jesus died for you and I Come home, my child Stop right in your tracks God always welcomes you back We pray every day He'll show you the way Come home, my child So I'm praying for the prodigals I'm praying for the lost Remind them of the sacrifice Remind them of the cost And angels rejoice when one sinner repents I'm praying the prodigals return
as he was dreaming about today. It hasn't always been easy, but the labor is sweet. Like a father so faithful, he's been watching your feet. And he promises always that your heart he will keep If you keep giving him your today Beautiful shadows smile on his face Daughter of heaven drenched with his grace Princess and servant running the race I wish I'd been there to see the look he was dreaming about today. Life stretches before you like a brand new book May his blood mark the pages everywhere that you look May your goal be his altar, may his cross be your gain May you be so consumed that life and death are the same Beautiful shadows smile on his face Daughter of heaven drenched with his grace Princess and servant running the race I wish I'd been there to see the look on his face Beautiful shadows smile on his face Daughter of heaven drenched with his grace Princess and servant running the race I wish I'd been there to see the look he was dreaming about today. We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Two Worshippers. The evil that led to Peter's fall and that shut out the Pharisee from communion with God is proving the ruin of thousands today. There is nothing so offensive to God, 
or so dangerous to the human soul as pride and self-sufficiency. Of all sins, it is the most hopeless, the most incurable. Peter's fall was not instantaneous, but gradual. Self-confidence led him to the belief that he was saved, and step after step was taken in the downward path until he could deny his master. Never can we safely put confidence in self or feel this side of heaven that we are secure against temptation. Those who accept the Saviour, however sincere their conversion, should never be taught to say or to feel that they are saved. This is misleading. Everyone should be taught to cherish hope and faith. But even when we give ourselves to Christ and know that He accepts us, we are not beyond the reach of temptation. God's Word declares, Many shall be purified and made white and tried. Daniel 12 verse 10 Only he who endures the trial will receive the crown of life. James 1 verse 12 Those who accept Christ and in their first confidence say, I am saved, are in danger of trusting to themselves. They lose sight of their own weakness and their constant need of divine strength. They are unprepared for Satan's devices, and under temptation many like Peter fall into the very depths of sin. We are admonished, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 Our only safety is in constant distrust of self and dependence on Christ. It was necessary for Peter to learn his own defects of character and his need of the power and grace of Christ. The Lord could not save him from trial, but he could have saved him from defeat. Had Peter been willing to receive Christ's warning, he would have been watching under prayer. He would have walked with fear and trembling, lest his feet should stumble, and he would have received divine help so that Satan could not have gained the victory. It was through self-sufficiency that Peter fell, and it was through repentance and humiliation that his feet were again established. In the record of his experience, every repenting sinner may find encouragement. Though Peter had grievously sinned, he was not forsaken. The words of Christ were written upon his soul, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Luke 22 verse 32 In his bitter agony of remorse, this prayer and the memory of Christ's look of love and pity gave him hope. Christ, after his resurrection, remembered Peter and gave the angel the message for the women, Go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Mark 16, verse 7. Peter's repentance was accepted by the sin-pardoning Saviour. And the same compassion that reached out to rescue Peter is extended to every soul who has fallen under temptation. It is Satan's special device to lead man into sin and then leave him helpless and trembling, fearing to seek for pardon. But why should we fear when God has said, Let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Isaiah 27 verse 5 Every provision has been made for our infirmities, every encouragement offered us to come to Christ. Christ offered up his broken body to purchase back God's heritage, to give man another trial. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, 
seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7 verse 25. By his spotless life, his obedience, his death on the cross of Calvary, Christ interceded for the lost race. And now, not as a mere petitioner does the captain of our salvation intercede for us, but as a conqueror claiming his victory. His offering is complete, and as our intercessor, he executes his self-appointed work, holding before God the censer containing his own spotless merits and the prayers, confessions, and thanksgiving of his people. Perfumed with the fragrance of his righteousness, these ascend to God as a sweet savour. The offering is wholly acceptable, and pardon covers all transgression. Christ has pledged himself to be our substitute and surety, and he neglects no one. He who could not see human beings exposed to eternal ruin without pouring out his soul unto death in their behalf will look with pity and compassion upon every soul who realizes that he cannot save himself. He will look upon no trembling suppliant without raising him up. He who through his own atonement provided for man an infinite fund of moral power will not fail to employ this power in our behalf. We may take our sins and sorrows to his feet, for he loves us. His every look and word invites our confidence. He will shape and mould our characters according to his own will. In the whole satanic force, there is not power to overcome one soul who in simple trust cast himself on Christ. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Isaiah 40 verse 29 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord says, Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Those verses are from 1 John 1, 9, Jeremiah 3.13, and Ezekiel 36, verse 25. But we must have a knowledge of ourselves, a knowledge that will result in contrition before we can find pardon and peace. The Pharisee felt no conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit could not work with him. His soul was encased in a self-righteous armour which the arrows of God, barbed and true-aimed by angel hands, failed to penetrate. It is only he who knows himself to be a sinner that Christ can save. He came to heal the broken-hearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Luke 4 verse 18. But they that are whole need not a physician. Luke 5, verse 31. We must know our real condition, or we shall not feel our need of Christ's help. We must understand our danger, or we shall not flee to the refuge. We must feel the pain of our wounds, or we should not desire healing. The Lord says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. Revelation 3, verses 17 and 18. The gold tried in the fire 
is faith that works by love. Only this can bring us into harmony with God. We may be active, we may do much work, but without love, such love as dwelt in the heart of Christ, we can never be numbered with the family of heaven. No man can of himself understand his errors. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The lips may express a poverty of soul that the heart does not acknowledge. While speaking to God of poverty of spirit, the heart may be swelling with the conceit of its own superior humility and exalted righteousness. In one way only can a true knowledge of self be obtained. We must behold Christ. It is ignorance of Him that makes men so uplifted in their own righteousness. When we contemplate His purity and excellence, we shall see our own weakness and poverty and defects as they really are. We shall see ourselves lost and hopeless, clad in garments of self-righteousness, like every other sinner. We shall see that if we are ever saved, it will not be through our own goodness, but through God's infinite grace. The prayer of the publican was heard because it showed dependence reaching forth to lay hold upon omnipotence. Self to the publican appeared nothing but shame. Thus it must be seen by all who seek God. By faith, faith that renounces all self-trust, the needy suppliant is to lay hold upon infinite power. No outward observances can take the place of simple faith and entire renunciation of self. But no man can empty himself of self. We can only consent for Christ to accomplish the work. Then the language of the soul will be, Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mould me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. It is not only at the beginning of the Christian life that this renunciation of self is to be made. At every advance step heavenward, it is to be renewed. All our good works are dependent on a power outside of ourselves. Therefore, there needs to be a continual reaching out of the heart after God, a continual, earnest, heartbreaking confession of sin and humbling of the soul before Him. Only by constant renunciation of self and dependence on Christ can we walk safely. The nearer we come to Jesus, and the more clearly we discern the purity of His character, the more clearly we shall discern the exceeding sinfulness of sin, and the less we shall feel like exalting ourselves. Those whom heaven recognizes as holy ones are the last to parade their own goodness. The Apostle Peter became a faithful minister of Christ, and he was greatly honored with divine light and power. He had an active part in the upbuilding of Christ's church, but Peter never forgot the fearful experience of his humiliation. His sin was forgiven, yet well he knew that for the weakness of character which had caused his fall, only the grace of Christ could avail. He found in himself nothing in which to glory. None of the apostles or prophets ever claimed to be without sin. Men who have lived nearest to God, men who would sacrifice life itself rather than knowingly commit a wrong act, men whom God had honored with divine light and power, have confessed the sinfulness of their own nature. 
They have put no confidence in the flesh, have claimed no righteousness of their own, but have trusted wholly in the righteousness of Christ. So will it be with all who behold Christ. At every advanced step in Christian experience, our repentance will deepen. It is to those whom the Lord has forgiven, to those whom he acknowledges as his people, that he says, Then shall you remember your own evil ways, and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight. Ezekiel 36 verse 31. Again he says, I will establish my covenant with thee, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, that thou mayest remember and be confounded, and never open thy mouth any more because of thy shame, when I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done, saith the Lord God. Ezekiel 16 verses 62 and 63. Then our lips will not be opened in self-glorification. We shall know that our sufficiency is in Christ alone. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. you enjoy the short presentation of how God led his people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com In July of 1849 James White packed copies of the present truth into a borrowed carpet bag and walked eight miles to Middletown Connecticut. He was taking the first steps in what would become a global publishing ministry. The publishing work was extremely effective in early Adventism, both as a form of evangelism and also as keeping a sense of cohesion amongst the believers. Prior to the Great Disappointment, it was very important. And after 1848, when Ellen White had her vision that her husband should start a magazine and that the paper would be like streams of light going around the world, the work increased in effectiveness. In 1853, the Review and Herald Publishing Association bought its first printing press and based itself out of the house that James and Ellen White rented in Rochester, New York. It then moved to Battle Creek, Michigan and continued to grow. And things would take a twist in the 1880s when James White met a young Canadian named George King who desperately wanted to be a preacher. He stayed with them for a few weeks, but James White was unconvinced that he had what it took to be a preacher. James White then approached Brother Godsmark and told him about George King and asked if he could live on the farm and work and then maybe after a year he would be able to go and preach. 
He was a tall and slim man, and as he moved into this new home, he would often preach in the living room to the empty chairs. It was soon arranged that he preach his first sermon to some of the church members, but it was a blundering failure and anything but to the point. After a season of prayer, the mother of the home stood up and said that he could never be a preacher and that he could not hold the attention of a crowd, but he could be a fireside preacher and share books and tracts in people's homes and spread the message this way. He accepted this as the will of God. And the next Monday, he packed his satchel full of magazines and took $2 and set off for the week. The next Sabbath, he was overwhelmed at how much God had blessed him and encouraged by the people he was able to speak to as well as the 62 cents that he had earned. The next week, he was able to convert nearly all the books in his bag to cash and soon persuaded the brethren at the Review and Herald to make a special book to use in the homes, Thoughts on Daniel and Revelation by Uriah Smith. And so the work of literature evangelism would start with a man who James White didn't know what to do with. The work of literature evangelism would grow and spread and become a huge ministry in and of itself, key in the early days of our church as it encompassed the globe. The ministry is still active today, both with summer programs with academy-age young people and university-age students, and also with full-time workers. The story of George King teaches us that whilst we may not be able to do the exact ministry that we have set our hearts on, God may have another work for us that we haven't even thought of yet and may use other people to guide us there. When we are humble and teachable, there is no limit to how God may use us. For more episodes in this series, visit lineagejourney.com.